Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to another episode of Kelly the Encouragers podcast. It's your host, Kelly Sisson. I'm so thankful for you being here today with us. I know that you're going to love this conversation with Ashley. Ashley is a business owner. She owns Remade to Remember. It is such a fantastic, creative way to be able to give families who are going through grief and loss really tangible items to remember their family members by. You know, I think it's so fantastic and it's just so encouraging and and inspiring that she's able to hold space for people in some of the hardest moments of their life in a way that fits her abilities so well. I know that you guys are going to love hearing from her today. And on a side note, she literally made me speechless at one point. Like I actually was speechless. That never happens, guys. I'll be honest. And so I just found her wisdom and her desire to really improve this world and provide support to others. So inspiring. And I know that you're going to love our conversation as well. Now to the show. All right, Ashley, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. I'm wondering if you can do a quick little introduction of yourself and introduce yourself to listeners. Sure. My name is Ashley and um, I'm a baker. Um, My business is called Remade to Remember and I guess I'm just a seamstress and entrepreneur. That is great. And you um, are out of Fargo, is that correct? Yes, I live in Fargo. Awesome. Well, good. So also, what I love too, is you mentioned that you're from Illinois. I am. And I am as well. And it's very rare that I meet someone from Illinois (laughs) up here in North Dakota. So I was pretty excited to hear that. Yeah, I um, found that myself when I moved up here, everybody was, um, especially going to uh, Concordia Local College here, I ran into maybe one or two other people that were from Illinois, and it, you kind of get excited when you meet somebody from your home state, so yeah. I was excited to hear you were from Illinois as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of comforting in a strange way. I don't really know how to describe it, <laughs> but Yeah, it it's is. like it's, you get it. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's great. You know, I am wondering, I know you had sent over your bio, and can I ask you about going to the wrong college? Do you mind sharing absolutely. that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. For sure. So I, yeah, I was born and raised in Joliet, Illinois, um, which is a southwest suburb of Chicago. And my whole family, I kind of come from a family where everybody goes a few generations back and everyone is was born and raised, stayed there, never left. And um, come from a my nuclear family, my mom and my dad never went to college. And my sister was pregnant when she was really young. So she was a mother when she was like 17 and um, was just kind of finishing up high school in Joliet and had no idea what I was going to do next. And we're really lucky to have a great uh, junior college and like technical school system back in Illinois. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, well, I guess I can go to Joliet Junior College, which was actually the first junior college in the country, which I didn't know until I had already left. But um, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, it's, it and it shows too. Like the they had great programs, super affordable. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I can buy myself some time and go to junior college while I figure out what I actually want to do. Yeah. And um, just went there and studied art. And I was just taking art classes kind of nonstop. I was any art class they offered. I was doing painting and drawing and uh, sculpture and ceramics and really kind of milking it. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, through just kind of opening myself up to furthering my education, I met some amazing teachers. And it was really the teachers I met there that took an interest in me Mm -hmm. and watched me as I was kind of moving through this coursework and was like, I had one uh, instructor in particular who was like, you need to get out of Juliet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, You need to go pursue an actual four-year degree, go to a liberal arts school, um, just, you know, you got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I was, I didn't even know what a liberal, liberal arts school was at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and college was not really a, it was not something that was in my um, mindset. It was not something I thought I was capable of. I knew I couldn't afford to go to school. So when this teacher really started suggesting and taking it really seriously, like you really started bugging me, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, <clears throat> I'll just apply to some schools just to make this, this guy happy. Uh-huh. And he was finishing up his final year there and was moving out back out to Portland where he was from and kind of gave me this little mini list. It was literally like a post-it note with Uh a couple of school names on it. And I was, I went online and I started finding these colleges he mentioned and applying to them. And one of them was Lewis and Clark out out in Portland. And another one, it was, all it said was Concordia. Uh So I, of course, jumped on the computer, Google Concordia and Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. Uh and dug a little bit deeper I was like oh this school looks cute like um, this has got to be what he was talking about Uh applied got accepted went through all the hoops and stuff and came for a a visit at the campus and um sort of went through all of the different steps and ended up deciding that was the school I wanted to go to and when I had gone back to this professor and showed him kind of my acceptance letter and my little packet of information I got he's like where are you going he's like this is not he's like this is not the Concordia that I was talking about so oh my it was like yeah really good search engine optimization on college (laughs) yeah on Concordia's part but it was um I think it was 100% looking back on it meant to be um and he was kind of like he thought it was really funny I thought it was really funny and we kind of laughed because they offered me a better scholarship package than I was offered anywhere else and it was like just do it like yeah go for it and so um I just went for it and around the same time we kind of had a I feel like you have these moments in life that sort of nudge you yes and right as I was going through that whole process I uh I had a close family friend pass away in a house fire. She was like, and she was just going into eighth grade oh, and my house actually burnt down at that age too. And that's the sort of thing that just kind of hits you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So it made everything more real. And I was like, okay, I have to do this. I don't really, it didn't feel like a choice at that point. It felt like just very much meant to be. So yeah, Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, thanks for sharing that, that with us, the, the ups and, you know, the, the downs, the hard parts too, I think are important to note. I think you're right though. Sometimes in life, um, we just, 
things just kind of open up in a way that um, maybe are hilarious in moments like that, but ultimately yep. end up really um, being exactly where we're supposed to be. You know, I often Definitely. I often tell people I, I am someone who I just kind of decide I'm going to do something and I do it. It doesn't mean that I'm always successful at it, but mm-hmm. I definitely decided and do it. So like for um, for college, I only applied to one school. Like, what mm-hmm. would I have done if I wouldn't have gotten in? I have no clue. Oh my goodness. <laughs> For grad school, I only applied to one school. You know, I think sometimes things just seem so much what we're, we're meant to do. It just um, either works out in a way or we get a new path. And so I think that's so great that you went to, it sounds like you had a really great experience there too. Is that accurate? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it changed my life. Um, I think just uh, seeing myself in an environment that I didn't think I fit into mm-hmm. originally, like, mm-hmm. And it is a really good school. Um, and just the, the people that I met, like my peers and the um, teachers that I got to learn from, it it really led me to what I do now as an entrepreneur and as like a, a maker. And um, it's kind of just, it's incredible what being around really supportive people can do for you. I feel like it really brings out um, parts of your parts of your like life path that you might not even know about so I got into I went there to just keep studying art which is hilarious because people think you're crazy if you you know (laughs) (laughs) spend money on a degree on art Uh art. but um so when I was there studying art that's when I I always loved philosophy and so my degree is actually in philosophy and Mm -hmm. and studio art and so that only happened because I was there taking art classes seriously, taking philosophy classes for fun and having philosophy professors be like, you need to do this too. Like, this is really important. And this is something I feel like, you know, you should really explore. So um, I combined those two things, got really into kind of the local arts community here, mm-hmm. worked at an art museum and really got oh, cool. um, a really strong grasp on like what it was that I enjoyed doing most um which turns out to be like I love making things but I also love like all of the behind the scenes like like graphic design and social media and um kind of events and that type of thing so I had a great internship met some awesome people and it it all kind of led to the path that ended up being just so meant to be Yes, absolutely. It sounds it sounds like you uh, definitely along the way had people supporting you and encouraging you through that, just kind of leading the way for for where you could go and helping you to really almost find your true passion. It sounds like like kind of undig that. So that's really cool. I'm wondering, yeah. can you share a little bit more about your business? You know what you do, um, so people have a good understanding of that. Sure. Yeah. So I. Um, I've always been like really crafty and creative and I totally get that from like the women in my family, Uh my mom and my grandma. And, um, my first job was actually at a fabric store. So I started sewing when I got that job and I was like 16, 15, 16. And, um, even when I was in, you know, high school, I would take apart my clothes and cut them up and put them back together and go to thrift stores and find stuff to turn into new things and transform. And I actually went to Catholic school Mm -hmm. um, for grade school and high school. So I always, always had to wear a uniform. Mm -hmm. And I'm also like very rebellious at heart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it was like, if I'm going to wear a uniform all the time for school, I'm going to wear clothes that nobody else has when I'm not in school. Yeah. Um, 
so I just loved making my own clothes and doing it in a way that I didn't realize that it was like eco-friendly or sustainable back then. It was just affordable to me. Right. Um, but after going through and kind of, it was always something I did for myself, but after going through this whole path of going to college and ending up in this new community where there were different opportunities for me that I would have never had if I would have stayed back home, mm-hmm. I kind of ended up after, um, college, getting a studio, meaning to make art, ended up sewing again and was just making those clothes for myself and um, through the magic of Facebook uh-huh. and being connected to, to people that way, I got I started getting commissions for projects and there was this one commission in particular that really launched everything um, and it was a guy I went to college with. He worked at like a men's suit store mm-hmm. in town and um, he asked me if I could make some neckties. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that seems easy. They're like, what, little skinny strips of fabric? Like, I can make a necktie. (laughs) But um, I had, like, this one caveat that it had to be – I had to be able to use an upcycled material and, like, a reused material. Uh And he was like, you can use whatever you want. (laughs) So I made him his neckties, and they are not as simple as they seem. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're actually, like (laughs) – it's way more complex than, than you'd ever think. But um, that really launched it all. I started making, I made him some neckties, posted those, kept getting requests. And then a, a shop here in town asked for to carry them because they didn't have a lot of menswear. Mm-hmm. So that um, just thrifting, finding secondhand shirts, cutting those up, turning them into these accessories became my my brand, my first brand. Um and I opened a storefront, like probably within a year of making my first necktie. Uh-huh. And I, I ran that for about four years, all just kind of eco-friendly, upcycled, ready to wear stuff. But what I'm doing now has really grown from that. So mm-hmm. it's still repurposing materials, but instead of just um, grabbing stuff from the thrift store and kind of wondering like the story behind the material, I'm working with families to use their like cherished clothing items so their grandpa's favorite shirt or their dad's favorite shirt and I'm really focusing in on just creating these handcrafted heirlooms for families so how beautiful I'm sure that they just love to be able to um, keep you know keep those items in a different purpose I'm thinking about someone who I know who had pillows made of the mm-hmm. family members' clothes and, and how much that really um, meant to them to have that and have that out to be able to, you know, look at that on a daily basis. So I'm sure that in a lot of ways that's um, pretty healing, I would imagine. Yeah, it's. I think it's um, it's really fulfilling for me because it the I get to do what I love to do and then I also know that, like, what I'm doing and making means so much to families. Yes. And I think that, like, that really – pulled in my philosophy background and melded like it's just like the the pinnacle of all of my passions in one single thing and I get goosebumps every time I work with a customer and talk to them about you know like well whose shirt was this and who are we making these items for and knowing that I'm taking these materials that would probably end up you know in the back of a closet or in a drawer in a box somewhere and like keeping that memory alive and I, I never when I started upcycling even as a teenager I never thought about that element of it but I knew that like 
even back then I would get these clothing items from thrift stores and be like, who's crazy? You know, like Moo Moo was <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. where did this come from? Who wore this? And yeah. now like knowing those stories, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's really great. I'm sure people do when you ask like, you know, whose was this? I'm sure they tell you a little bit about their family member or friend or whoever that may be. And I'm sure, you know, that's it's quite a quite a blessing to be that place for people where you Mm -hmm. you can really hold that space for their stories in life. And we don't often get time just to talk about truly talk about ourselves and, you know, um, the different situations that we go through. So I'm sure that is just uh, quite an experience for everyone involved, the family and you. Yeah, it's something that, um, and I think especially since I I just kind of made this shift into focusing and I rebranded to be called Roommate to Remember and and this has been a more recent thing for me. So um, all of the projects that I've really done since since that kind of shift, I'm like sitting down or talking via email and really asking questions and digging a little bit deeper than I used to. So like it's been really really amazing to hear the stories of the family members I've been requesting photos so like right now I'm working on um, a woman it's her mother's wedding dress and I'm turning it into a bunch of little zipper pouches for her and her sisters and then her daughters and so like getting to hear the story of her mother and her father and their marriage and like their relationship and um, she sent a photo of her mom and her wedding dress too and like making that connection and I, I guess I've never thought of it in the way that you described as like holding space for those individuals to get to speak about those people in those moments, but it very much, it is that. And it's, um, it's something that I think it's kind of hard to navigate that space of like, how do we talk about these things that are really painful, like losing someone, especially if it's tragic right. um, or, but it is um, it's through kind of, that transformation of, of making something beautiful or useful or meaningful out of things that might be a little, you know, either painful or hard that I think is, I just feel really lucky to be able to do that, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. That's so beautiful. There's such a depth, you know, like when you, when you just kind of hear on, on the base, like what you do, like, oh, you know, I remake these, like, it's just, you know, that's much more surface level, but when you get really deeper, it's just a really beautiful process. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you're doing that for people. I think that's so great. I'm really curious, just on a random side note, does it ever feel like a lot of pressure? You know, like this is like the one wedding dress, you know, yeah. or the one shirt or whatever it is. Like, does that ever cause you to have a little anxiety about it? Or are you pretty good about, you know, I'll just do the best I can? Or, you know, what does that look like I, for you? Yeah, I think so. I remember the first time I ever took somebody's clothing items. And um, it was a, a woman named Anne and her husband's name. Um, what was her husband's name? Oh. Leroy Uh and um, she was making a scarf for her daughter and she came into my storefront back when I had my storefront and she saw the things that I made and she was like she got really emotional and she was like oh my gosh I've been holding on to these items and I you know my daughter's about to graduate college and I would love to make something for her and she went home and she came back and she looked so defeated she had this little bag of material and she's like I thought I kept more and I guess I didn't and I I don't know you're probably not able to do anything with this and it was like 
a pair of pants, like a pair of jeans with some paint splatters and like a single necktie. And I think there was like maybe one shirt, but it didn't have any sleeves on it. Uh And I remember thinking like, okay, this is like, this is all this woman has left of her husband's clothing items. And like, I'm about to cut them up. And I have that stack of clothes sitting on my studio table for like weeks because I just couldn't bring myself to start it. Yeah. So initially it was really, it was very an emotional, it was very much an emotional thing for me. And I almost have to, had to go into like this kind of like prayer state. It's like meditative, like um, just trusting the universe and trusting that like this was meant to happen. And also trusting myself and like my 15 years of sewing experience. And, um, but it was always very hard to do. And I think, um, for that first probably year that I was working on those projects, I kind of always felt a little bit of that, that, that fear, um, or like the nervousness, but I would say that after that, um, it slowly kind of grew. And now I feel very, very comfortable, very peaceful and very confident when I'm cutting into these items. I always take a moment. Um, I don't know. Have you seen tidying up with Marie Kondo? Yes. Yes. So she takes a moment where she greets the home. Yeah. And I very much take a moment before I go into a project where I'm, I'm working on this material and I take a moment and I just greet that item and like recognize the purpose it served, the meaning it has. And then like, just go from a place of this positive you know, energy. And then I don't really feel that like nervousness of, oh my goodness, what if I totally like screw this whole thing up? So, yeah, but it was learned. It took a lot of time. Sure. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I love so many things that you said. I love the fact that I'm going into it with, you know, that positive mindset and just really connecting. It sounds like, and with the items Mm -hmm. that you have and the, and the person who, um, who owned those at one point and being able to trust yourself and and the knowledge and the experience that you do have, because that is a crucial part of it as well. Uh, But just really being at peace with that, I think is so great. And it makes sense that things would turn out better that way. Truly, you know, yeah, <laughs> if, you yeah, can, if you can find that p- place to be really mindful and connected as well. I think that's fantastic. Hey guys, totally interrupting here. My apologies, but I wanted to let you know about our weekly newsletter. I'm not sure if you've seen me post about it or not, but it is a weekly newsletter from yours truly on the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. Get a more intimate look at how I view life how I am able to find people to be on the podcast and even be able to take part in who shouldn't be on the podcast. This community is for you. I want you, the encouragers, to be able to go out into the world and spread goodness. And I would love for you to be a part of that. Just go over to my website, www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, and you will be able to sign up for the newsletter there. Now back to the show. So what would you say is like your favorite part of your, like the entire, everything that you've ever, you know, I guess I should say everything you've ever done your whole entire life. What's your favorite part? I'm just kidding. But as far as your current business, I know it's a little bit newer to you, but um, it sounds like there's been um, parts of it that have been sprinkled along the way. So I don't know if you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, I think um, I've always, I just. I think my favorite part about like being an entrepreneur, having the creative business that I do um, is that I'm getting to use what I would call my gifts in 
in a meaningful way mm-hmm. and also in a way that I'm it, I'm able to support myself support my family and contribute and so Absolutely. I feel like you know back if we go back to that kind of high school version of me where I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do I'm I better waste some time before I go get a job I hate like knowing that (laughs) a series of decisions and kind of taking leaps and taking chances and sort of trusting in you know the universe to to show me and give me the opportunities I needed like I think my favorite thing is that I can look back on that younger version of myself who did not feel like I could or maybe even that I deserved to do something that I truly loved Mm -hmm. and being where I am now on the other side of it and and knowing that I'm I'm doing exactly what I I was always meant to do um, because I was willing to say yes because I was willing to um, you know say sure I'll move 700 miles away and go to a school that I've never heard of (laughs) right right. Um, or like sure I'll make you a necktie even though I've never made one and I don't really care about neckties like yeah (laughs) and so and then like you know six months later or something being like sure I'll rent this little storefront space even though I'm not sure I can actually like make the rent and like Mm -hmm. sell my products so I think um it's just I feel really lucky to um be able to just feel very fulfilled Mm -hmm. and I think that makes it pretty easy to like everything's my favorite but I think just that overall kind of reality of it is pretty cool yeah absolutely I I love what you said too about you know saying yes to things and and sometimes those things are really scary in the moment but um, I'm definitely someone too who like I'll just like jump all in like we, <laughs> if my husband <laughs> and I when we moved to um, we live in a town in North well obviously in North Dakota hello but um, Jamestown <laughs> and so we had never been here I think he had been here like once like way back in the day he had been to North Dakota many mm-hmm. times but not Jamestown we moved to a house that we had never seen um, I oh went I started a job and I did even know like what the building looked like I mean like you know it was we knew like no one that lived here and so but I think that sometimes those scariest yeses end up being the best and Mm -hmm. I'm really curious do you regret saying yes to I mean obviously we could break down situation by situation but in general (laughs) do you ever regret saying yes to things or are you um do you feel pretty happy about the fact that it sounds like you're someone who just is willing to try Mm -hmm. I think that like um I would always rather know that I tried than live with kind of the regret of, well, what if, you know what I mean? Like, I think I'd always rather try and fail than not try. But there have been times when like, you know, when I I moved, I left my family and I left, you know, my immediate family and my friends and everything I'd ever known. And um, there were times when, and my family, I I come from a family that like definitely has its struggles Mm -hmm. and um, like between my sister and her being a young mother and um, my brother who has always struggled with depression and anxiety, Mm -hmm. he dropped out of high school and, um, never finished and well he did he ended up getting his GED because I asked for it for Christmas oh, cool. <laughs> um but there you know and my parents both struggled too with their own kind of demons and there were times when I 
when I was about to leave where I thought like, I can't just leave my family here. Like my brother needs my help. We need to get him his GED. My sister needs my help. My dad needs my help. My mom needs my help. And I'd always very much felt like kind of the peacemaker or the, the person who was going to like, you know, help my family just, you know, in whatever way they needed. Mm -hmm. And so it was difficult. And I think what ended up happening was I just realized like what better way can to help my the people I care most about than to like live my life as an example because at the end of the day if they don't want to change their lives there's nothing I can do about that and I think we can make ourselves really unhappy when we try to take on other people's happiness Mm -hmm. Um, my mom always says you can't put your happiness key in someone else's pocket yeah and um so I think um that first year that I was up here there were times when I you know, would hear the things happening back home or touch base with everything happening back home. And I felt bad because all of these good things were happening to me. And then there were a lot of really negative or bad things happening back home. Mm -hmm. And that kind of has remained true over the years, unfortunately. I feel like I'm like, oh, I graduated college. I started a business. I met my husband. We're having a baby. And like all of these really incredible blessings have come to come to me and into my life. And there are a lot of times that I look back at my family's life back home and it's like, oh, so-and-so died or so-and-so was in jail or yeah. there's a lot of negative things. And I think there are times that I still struggle with that because I see everyone's potential yes. and know from experience what saying yes can do. But I just, you get to a place where I think you realize that you can't control what you can't control. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I I believe that so deeply that you are um, so accurate with that, that it's it's really those intentional changes that we make. Um, it's because it's not like you just like stumbled upon your husband or stumbled upon your child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was intentional choices that you made to say yes mm-hmm. in those situations, which then led you to, you know, to other, other things as well. Um, but it is really hard. I would agree when we see someone, whether it's family, friends, whatever that may be, and we can just see so much potential in them and we want them to dive into that and really see that themselves Um, Mm -hmm. but I've definitely learned as well um, in the past that we can't we can't um, convince somebody that it's worth it they have Mm -hmm. to decide that it's worth it absolutely you know so I'm curious you talked about being an entrepreneur have you always wanted to own your own business or is that something that just kind of happened as things evolved mm-hmm. well I I'm was surprised I I think I've always had an entrepreneurial heart like I was I was a kid who would be like I'm gonna start a candle company when I'm like you know 10 years old yeah, and, I love that. Um, but throughout my like education that was never my intention looking back um my great-grandmother she was like 95 years old when she passed away few years ago and Mm -hmm. she was an entrepreneur she had a little plaster shop for like 30 years and sold those little plaster figurines and my my her so that was my great-grandmother so her daughter my grandma she also was very entrepreneurial and crafty and sort of made things and sold things and my mom was always making things and selling them so I look back and I think and I see I come from this long line of female business women who are like, here are the things I'm good at. How can I use this to my advantage and really like support myself, support my family doing 
these things. So it makes perfect sense to me now, but I had no intention. It was like, I'm going to go to college. I'll get a degree. Still, it still at a certain point felt like I was just buying time. It still felt like I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do. So I guess I'll just get a degree and then we'll see what happens. Um, because it wasn't, it was not planned. Um, but it was kind of a stepping stone. And, um, when I, now that I've been doing this and I'm self-employed, my husband's also an entrepreneur. He has his own business. We like can't imagine ever working for anyone else. Yes. You, I think you either are an entrepreneur or you're not because you need to have a certain willingness to, to take risks and Mm -hmm. to fail and to not have the answers and to, um, you know, work 24 seven at certain points. So, um, yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. It's a really good fit for me. It's a great fit for my husband, but it's not like, yeah, you don't go to college to get a degree in like entrepreneurship. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think it's really something um, that people either have or, or don't, and not that people certainly couldn't hone in on skills. Cause I think we can always mm-hmm. learn and improve. And, but I think that there is a certain part of people who own their own business, I can at least speak from my own experience, where there's just like a desire to be able to chase whatever it is that you want to chase and know that you're able to move forward and do that. Not that everything's always going to be a success, but that like the the fear of failure doesn't stop you from right. the potential of the life that really you want to have, essentially. And that desire Absolutely. to move forward with that, I think, is um, extremely impactful. Yeah, it uh, it's something that my so my husband's dad he's a banker, and super responsible, super intelligent. He does you know he oversees my husband. My husband owns a wood company and has like ten employees. It's like entrepreneurship oh. at a level that I don't have a heart for. Yeah, yeah, that's but, awesome. Um, his dad like will I'll go into the bank and chat with him or bring my son in to see him. And he there have been times when his name is Bill. He's like my my father in law's name is Bill, mm-hmm. and he'll just be like I don't know. Seth is crazy. Like, I don't know how he does the things that he does. I'm over here looking at this and I'm just like, how does he sleep at night? And I'm like, I don't know, Bill, there are times when he doesn't. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So he, it's funny to see his perspective of just like, I don't know where he got that from because I couldn't do it. And mm-hmm. to like fully recognize that it does take like a little, it takes a level of crazy. You have to be a little crazy to do it. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I love that so much. I may, st- <laughs> I mean, I'll give you credit for it, but I definitely have to steal it because I think you're right. I mean, it takes it. I think it takes almost an, a little bit of an eccentric person to be willing to mm-hmm. have a lifestyle that um, maybe isn't, I mean, it's not, it's not a guarantee. It's not, you know, it's right. insta- unstable. Sometimes it's, um, it can be really fantastic in other moments as well and just not not just financially but even just you know emotionally and and family wise that flexibility piece is huge like I Mm -hmm. don't think that people realize when you have that flexibility what that does for for yourself and for your family Mm -hmm. and so I think there are um, a lot of a lot of um, you know positive parts of it but I think you're right I think you have to have a little bit of a you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to say like a wild personality, but a, a little bit, you know, I, I thought mm-hmm. back to when I was home in Illinois and, you know, um, 
uh, marijuana is, is legalized there. And so there was like a mm-hmm. dispensary and I was like, oh my gosh, I've never been to one. Let's go in there. And my friend who is just the sweetest, but she would like never do that ever in life. She's like, oh, wait <laughs> in the car. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like our two personalities. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's you know, I'm, check this out. Yeah, I'm not going to buy anything, but I just want to see yeah. like, what's a real dispensary like, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not like we have them here in North Dakota. Well, I guess there is like a few now, but you know, still it's not right, like I yeah. can just, you know, roll up there and check things out. And so, <laughs> you know, I think that just having that perspective of like, I'll try anything once for the most part, yeah, anything once. Yeah. And why not? Yeah, Life is short. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier, though, of like, rather try than wonder, like, what if? Mm-hmm. There is some quote that a friend of mine told me the other day that was something about, this can sound really morbid, but it was something about like a graveyard <laughs> and it was something to the effect of it's like the most expensive plot of land because so many dreams have died there or something. I, I don't know exactly oh gosh, what it was, yeah. but I was yeah. like, that is so true though. Cause when you talk mm-hmm. to people, you hear about, you know, they want, they wish that they could do this, whether they want to write a right. book or they want to own a business mm-hmm. or they, I don't even know, like maybe they want to travel around and, um, you know, sell their house and live in a tiny home. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. And I just think like we have one life to live one yeah. life and like, how do we want to live that? You know? Right. And I feel like I'm constantly reminded of that in my work. And I think so part of the reason I went into philosophy was because I've always even like as like an eight year old kid, like I've always had this like very existential perception of the world. Mm -hmm. And I remember being so young and like getting nauseous and sick and thinking like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Like, that's one thing I have no choice over. One day I'm going to be dead. And so it's just like driving when you're reminded of your mortality, which I have been like in multiple, whether it was my own like near death experiences or like having close people I was close to die. Um, I've had like all of these experiences that that really like make the the veil very thin. Mm -hmm. And then being in this line of work too, I have to navigate like, you know, being positive and like talking positively and, and happily about these memories but there is a lot of like like it's very real because it is my business is kind of surrounded on by death and around death and the fact that like everybody does die and I think that um like it's important to be reminded of that because there's nothing worse than yeah like that what that quote said like knowing that like that is the path we are all on ultimately Mm -hmm. and you can either let that stop you and and kind of debilitate you even or you can use it as motivation because there's it's sort of like another thing in life just like you can't change anybody's desire to better themselves you can't change the fact that like our time here is finite right so that's a great quote but also I totally get where you're coming from yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely well I I yeah, I'm just like blown away. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm speechless, which let me tell you does not happen very often. But oh my you gosh, just well. no, seriously, you just have shared so much wisdom today. I've I've loved it so much. I'm wondering there's a few questions I ask everyone on the podcast. Can I go ahead and sure. ask those to you? Absolutely. Okay. So the first one, are you familiar with Brene Brown? She's a social worker who um, researches like shame and vulnerability. Yes, okay. I am. Okay. My husband and I just watched her Netflix special oh and we were gosh. both like crying and laughing. Yes. And yes. It was just like, I love you so much. It was amazing. Yes. 
she is so fantastic. I've said this so much. I'm just putting out into the universe, hoping that it happens one day, to be honest. I'm yeah. going to keep trying. Yeah. I always say, like, I want to go have lunch with her. Like, just give me, like, an hour. Just I just want to absorb. Put it, keep putting it out there. <laughs> yes, yes. Manifest that. That's what, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to take steps to hang out with Brene Brown one day. I'll let you know when it happens. But <laughs> awesome. <laughs> anyway, so she has a book. It's called Braving the Wilderness. And mm-hmm. so um, I don't know if you're familiar with this particular one, but essentially what it is is it's, you know, you go into a situation – you take that step into the wilderness. It's really scary, but along the way you find yourself and you find other people that are there to support you and um, essentially you find your happiness throughout it. So I'm wondering if you can think of a time where you felt like you were taking that step into the wilderness all alone, not really sure what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, my move here, um, I packed everything I had up in a minivan that was handed down to me. And I remember driving up and my mom and her boyfriend were in the car behind me. And um, I was listening to this one album on repeat Mm -hmm. and the entire 10, 11 hour drive from Joliet to Fargo. And um, I knew that if I wanted to, I could go back home at any time and that, um, you know, my family would, be there for me and I could figure out, you know, a different path, but it also felt very much like there was no, there was no turning around because it was a physical move, but it was very much a spiritual shift. It was, that is my old life. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am driving into and entering my full potential and, um, not knowing, I literally did not know anybody. I didn't know I didn't know a single person. And so I was really lucky that um, within the first week that I got here, I found those other, those friends and, and teachers and particularly my roommates too, who like were sort of in the same position. And I think college is great for that, but um, you realize like everyone has different reasons mm-hmm. um, and it may be a different level of kind of, jumping in for certain people like maybe you move from Jamestown to Fargo to go to college or something mm-hmm. um and so it's different for everyone but everyone's taking taking those leaps they might be in different kind of on different scales but um yeah just embracing it and realizing that you're never alone mm-hmm. I think um yeah you can pretty much do anything if you can constantly remind yourself of that everything seems a little less scary yes yeah I think you are 100 percent. when we feel alone and isolated that can be really hard but if we can just remember that and keep moving forward that's fantastic thank you so much for sharing that yeah so my last question is I'm wondering if you can share who this is this is kind of hard the more I ask it like (laughs) man like how do you even narrow this down because even throughout your whole story there's been just different encouragers but I'm wondering if you could pick a few or you can pick multiple doesn't matter who would you Mm -hmm. say are your biggest encouragers um that one's actually pretty it's easier for me than I feel like it might be for some um that professor of mine back from Juliet has become like family has become a lifelong friend um him and his wife like come they were just up to visit like twice in the past like three months I see them probably more than I see my family and um so his name's Joe and he is uh he just retired a few years ago but he was you know an art professor there at Joliet Junior College for years and um was always always a source of positivity, always a source of um, encouragement and very much like 
I think I think what I needed in my life wasn't somebody who was like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You can do anything you want. But somebody who is like, listen, you're amazing. You can do anything you want, but you need to like do the work. Like, yes. you know, like you have to, there's a difference between praise and actual encouragement. Yes. And I think I had been praised a lot by people, but that was very surface and it just kind of brushes off your shoulder. But the seriousness, the seriousness with, that, that he took about um, about me and my future, that made all the difference. That's when when he started taking it seriously and taking me seriously. I started realizing, like, yeah, it's great to be good at these things, but what what comes of it if you're not, you know, right. actually like making an effort? So um, definitely, Joe. He has by far, and his wife has become like. She's also a seamstress and she's a quilter and like does embroidery. So those two are just like, whenever they come to visit, I have to tell my friends, I'm like, oh, well, Joe and Diane are in town. And I sometimes try to explain the nature of our friendship. And I'm like, oh, well, they're friends, but you know, like they're in their sixties. And my husband's like, just call them your family. Like it's your, your family's in town. So yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I'm a firm believer that just one person can make a difference, truly. One person's involvement in our life, and it sounds like that was monumental for you. So I'm glad that you guys have kept in touch and really um, built such a close relationship. And how cool that his wife, you know, has similar interests, and (laughs) that's really neat that she has that as well. Yeah, it's been really fun. And they actually just went on a walk with my son this morning and got the mail and there was a card from Joe and Diane because they were just up here for a visit and it was addressed to me and my son and it was just so cute. And I think those little things like we take for granted that kind of communication um, because it's like, oh, I'll text you or whatever. But um, yeah, it's just a very like physical reminder of like, I don't know. It's just really special. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. You know, I think there is something um, different. Um, the friend that I mentioned, the dispensary story earlier, she um, mm-hmm. is just the best and she is really big on writing like handwritten notes. And Aww. her theory is that it it really shows that you're taking that time to really think about somebody because that takes effort. Like a text message, right. it takes effort too, but not as much. Yeah, it's not way on the same level. Yeah. But when you have to write, you know, you have to make sure you have a card, you have to write a note there, you have to mail it out, you know, all of those yeah. things. I mean, that's, that's quite a bit. So yeah, that's absolutely. Cool. It's like one of the benefits. And I think there are younger people who have that kind of appreciation for it, but like, it's one of the benefits of having friends that are like, in their 60s absolutely they don't think they don't think twice about it they're like yeah i'll just mail you a letter i always write letters and forget to actually drop them into the mailbox so (laughs) you know what's so funny is as you're talking about this i literally am looking over at my desk and i wrote someone a letter the other day and i have not mailed it yet and that was like two weeks ago so (laughs) because you're so used to like you're like well i wrote it it's done right and it's like no there are a couple more steps you have to check off absolutely so that's gonna be my goal today is to make sure i drop that off in the post office so thank you for that you can do it yes I appreciate that. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being on the show today and just, you know, sharing, sharing your story and sharing your truths. I'm wondering as we're wrapping this up, can you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. Um, My handle is remade to remember and um, same remade to remember handle. You can find me on Facebook or on my website. Um, you can also say hello to me just at hello at remade to remember.com. Awesome. Awesome. 
Thank you so much for that. And we will um, make sure that we tag those on our website as well. So if anybody wasn't cool. able to write those down or anything like that, we'll tag we'll tag that there as well. So thank you so much for taking Sweet. time out of your day. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah, it was so great to speak with you. I'm glad that we got to be connected. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. See you next week for another episode.